Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 272. Today we're asking the question, is our life worth living? And the answer is yes. Jesus gives us a life worth living. Jesus makes our lives so much better and he gives us the fullness of life. So what does this mean for our everyday? Why is our life worth living? Let's answer that question today. In the future, scientists may be able to prolong life, but will it be worth living? Wrote Nigel Hawkes in The Times. Apparently, one Oxford professor claims it may soon be possible to prolong many people's lives until the age of 115. But Hawkes rightly asks, will it be worth living? An increased lifespan is of little value unless it's for a life worth living. The Apostle Paul did not see the prolonging of life as a major objective. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Indeed, he regarded death as something of even greater worth. Yet for him, Jesus had made his life profoundly worth living. From Proverbs 23 and 24 Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights, and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Live in a relationship with God. Another Times columnist, Bernard Levin, spoke of how there's a hole inside each of us. However much you try to fill it with food, drink, relationships, possessions, it aches. You were created for a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Without that relationship, we ache. People try to fill this hole with different things. For some, it is alcohol. And although there's nothing wrong with drinking wine, it does not satisfy the deep inner thirst we have in our hearts. It looks so attractive when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. However, if we follow this path and overindulge, in the end it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. The writer describes the effects of drunkenness with great vividness, the hangover, splitting headache, queasy stomach, seeing double, slurred speech. It leads to sorrow, strife, complaints, needless bruises and bloodshot eyes. By contrast, the writer speaks of the blessings of wisdom and knowledge, intelligence, strategic planning and a lot of good counsel. Where can we find such wisdom and knowledge? The Apostle Paul spoke of knowing Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, I come to you today and drink so that out of my heart may flow rivers of living water. New Testament from Philippians 1 I thank my God every time I remember you. 
In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Make a difference to the lives of others. Do you wish your circumstances were different? If you're facing major challenges or difficulties, be encouraged by the fact that you can be useful in the midst of your struggles. God can work through you in ways you might not expect. When Paul wrote this letter, He was under house arrest in Rome, attached to a Roman soldier by a chain that was three feet long. He was imprisoned in very bad conditions, awaiting trial and possible execution. Yet he believed that his life in Christ meant fruitful labour for him. When Paul says, I have you in my heart, he's expressing his deep love for the people of Philippi. He has already spoken of their partnership in the gospel, and now he speaks of sharing God's grace with them. There is such a close bond between those who work together for Jesus Christ. There's an even closer bond when one is responsible for the conversion of the others. Paul says that he longs for all of them with the affection of Christ Jesus. In an age of almost unparalleled opportunity and choice, so many people are unduly anxious about missing their destiny or taking a wrong step. But you can have confidence that because God began the good work in you, he will complete it. God always finishes what he starts. None of us are there yet. You're a work in progress. Paul's prayer for the Philippians was that they might be even more fruitful. First, Grow in love. Pray for others and for yourself that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Second, grow in knowledge. Pray not simply for growth in love, 
but that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Love is to be more than an emotional experience, sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Third, grow in holiness. Paul prayed that they may be pure and blameless. The word for pure describes an inner purity in which even our motives are unmixed. The word for blameless means without giving offence and refers more to the outer way of life. Pray like Paul that you may be holy both inwardly and outwardly, making Jesus Christ attractive to all. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Paul could bear his chains because they gave him an opportunity to preach the gospel and to encourage others to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Don't be concerned about other people's motives for preaching the gospel. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and selfish ambition. Others do it out of love. However, Paul didn't seem to think it mattered very much as long as Christ was preached. Don't criticise other Christians who are preaching the gospel, even if you don't like their style or you question their motives. Be glad that they are proclaiming Jesus. Paul's whole life was centred on Christ. His desire was for Christ to be exalted in his body, whether by life or by death. He felt himself torn between the two. In many ways, he desired to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. The saintly prebendary, John Collins, was vicar of HDB from 1980 to 1985. When his wife died on the 16th of July, 2013, John wrote to me, I am thankful that we had 58 glorious years together, getting better and better. Although strokes are horrible and death is an enemy, like St. Paul, for many years she had longed to be with Christ, which is far better. I am deeply thankful, therefore, that she was not afraid, because she knew where she was going, and her faith in Christ's promises never wavered. Although Paul was longing to be with Christ, part of him also wanted to stay alive because he knew it would mean fruitful labour. His desire was to see the Philippians progress in their faith and their joy in Christ overflow. Lord, help me to live life to the full and take every opportunity to spread the message of Jesus. Old Testament from Zephaniah 1-3 to The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Experience God's love for you. Do you realise how much and how deeply God loves you? No matter what happens in this life, God loves you. Not only does he love you, he takes great delight in you. In fact, he sings over you with joy. The theme of Zephaniah is the great day of the Lord. This was the day that the people of God were anticipating. In popular thinking, this was the day that they expected Israel to be blessed. Zephaniah's message was that it is not simply going to be a day of blessing, but it will also be a day of judgment. He urged repentance. Sin leads to judgment. 
But God loves us and longs to be merciful and to forgive. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. He foresaw that a remnant who are meek and humble, who trust in the name of the Lord, will survive. He foresaw that God would again bless his people. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. When Jesus announced the kingdom of God, he was proclaiming that the day of the Lord had broken into history. One day, when Jesus returns, there will indeed be a day of judgment and reckoning. However, some aspects of the day of the Lord can also be experienced right now in Christ. You can know God saving you, delighting in you, quieting you with his love and rejoicing over you with singing right now. You can know this despite the reality of God's judgment, because in Christ, the Lord has taken away your punishment. For those who are in Christ, the promises of the Lord in Zephaniah are fulfilled in you. As Cardinal Raniero Cantalamessa writes, everything that God does and says in the Bible is love. Even God's anger is nothing but love. God is love, and that makes life worth living. Lord, thank you that you take great delight in me. Quiet me with your love and rejoice over me with singing. Thank you that your love makes this life worth living. Pepper adds, In Zephaniah 3.17, that very famous verse that says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing. When my siblings and I were very little and we were crying at night because we were frightened of something, my father would come in and pick us up individually and carry us around. And he would sing to us, Daddy's got you now, Daddy's got you now. And I still remember the song and the sense of safety being in my father's arms. Let's pray together now. Lord, thank you that you make my life worth living. Thank you that you give me a fullness of life that I can find nowhere else. Lord, I'm sorry for I haven't made the most of the life that you give me. Help me to turn back to you today. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would assist me in living my life to the full. Fill me up today with your love, your joy, and your peace. Help me to overflow that love to my friends and my family and everyone I meet today. Help me to live my life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen.